We're talking about it once a month. So, you know, it's been stopping from very valuable. Feel like you believe I've been. Inside Cast back on track. Um, hello, everybody. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night. I don't know what time you'll listen to this. Welcome to the Inside Cast. One more remarkable episode. Yeah. Um, and I'm very happy because we've been able to bring a lot of uh, pros here that could uh, uh, help you out with uh, a lot of things about English, about management, about business, about being a better professional, about being a happier person. Anyway, and I'm very grateful because uh, our inside cast has reached all the continents of the world. So uh, I'm quite sure this episode is going to be a remarkable one as well. Why? Yeah. Uh, I brought another star for you for you all here today. Uh, I met him back in 2019, yeah, uh, last year, uh, in, the, in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. It was the first time that, uh, that we met. Uh, he's a very easygoing, outgoing person, very happy person, and uh, he's all, he has a very beautiful smile when you see him. Uh, he's always one, willing to help you out with any kind of questions you might have. And I'm very ha happy to have him to have him here today. So please welcome Mr. Scott. Uh, it's such a pleasure to have you here and make yourself comfortable, please. Tiago, thank you so much. Uh, my name is Scott Hamilton. I'm the uh, Consul General of the United States here in Rio de Janeiro. I've been in the Foreign Service for 28 years now. Um, when I started, I had very dark hair. And uh, if you can see me now, it's, uh, it's not dark, let me just say. I think it's probably, I like to say it's silver and not gray, uh, but it's certainly uh, partly perhaps the diplomacy, partly children, uh, partly marriage, partly uh, just getting old. Uh, your hair tends to change color. You look uh, very dark haired and distinguished yourself, Tiago. I think. Uh, <laughs> In time, you'll be like me, my friend. Uh, I've been in the service again 28 years. I've traveled uh, many countries. I've served in uh, Latin America, Ecuador, Colombia, Cuba, and now Brazil. I've served in Africa, uh, South Africa twice, and Botswana. I've served in Russia, and I've served in, uh, in Washington a number of times as well. So it's been a wonderful career. I've been very fortunate, and I'm really thrilled to, to be here in, in, in Rio de Janeiro. Oh, that's awesome. Uh Actually, uh, I'm 30 years old. I've just turned 30 on July 6th, near July 4th, Independence Day. Um, but when I get like uh, a little bit older, if I get like you, I'm going to be very happy. You know, I want to be healthy. <laughs> I want to be a happy person. So I think I'm going to be you're a great a natural, person. You're, you're a natural diplomat, Tiago. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, sir, um, we're going to start right now with a couple of questions. Feel free to answer. Um, our first question that uh, probably uh, everybody is asking about the future, right? We are not storytellers. Uh, we are not God. We're not, uh, uh, we don't have superior knowledge. But we have a couple of forecasts like uh, regarding technology, economics, um, and especially uh, technology that has been shaping our society nowadays. We are here now <laughs> during this pandemic because of technology, right? We're using a platform yeah. where we can have a video and audio conference. So, 
since you represent the United States of America, what do you think we can expect, right, uh, from the USA in 2021? Well, as you know, Tiago, we have an election coming up in November and the president is seeking re-election and former Vice President Biden is seeking to replace him. Uh, it's fair to say, I think, that those two individuals have very different views of the world and of the American role in it. Uh, having said that, whoever wins, uh, the relationship between Brazil and the United States will be very strong. This relationship is built on shared values, common values, uh, commitment to democracy, the rule of law, a, sh a common culture, uh, a desire to uh, share those values with others around the world. And that's something that's almost unbreakable. I think that we are living in societies that are uh, sometimes uh, difficult, sometimes messy, uh, sometimes rambunctious, but we know that democracy is the best system that we've ever devised for moving forward together as a society. And we share those values whether it's economics, uh, whether it's space collaboration, whether it's energy, uh, whether it's uh, commercial collaboration, uh, whether it's the environment, uh, whether it's uh, democratic values, uh, we have a lot in common and we'll continue to move forward, whoever is the president of the United States. With respect to technology, I think for many years now, people have been trying to figure out what happens when technology replaces more and more people. And how does automation and artificial intelligence uh, play a role in our modern economies? And these are questions that are not easy to answer. Uh, but it's very likely uh, moving forward that we will have uh, the ability to do a lot more with fewer people. And the question for all of us in all of our societies is how do we take care of those who uh, may not be as widely utilized as they are now? And these are challenging questions that raise all kinds of uh, issues associated with giving people um, guaranteed incomes or finding other ways to train them for new environments. Uh, and I think we've learned over the last 15 or 20 years that it's very, very important for people to be ready to change careers several times in a lifetime. You know, my own father uh, changed careers multiple times and he was unusual. Most people his age tended to have one or two jobs and, and stuck with them their whole careers. We don't really have that anymore. Young people today are familiar with the fact that they need to, need to change jobs from time to time and change direction entirely. And that type of flexibility, building in that type of flexibility, allowing people to be trained for new opportunities, I think would be the major challenge facing most of us going forward. But overall, frankly, I'm a very optimistic person. I think that uh, you, can, you can look at situations in different ways. You can look at the glasses being half full or half empty. Uh, I tend to look at it as half full and, and move forward and, and it's been very helpful to me and I would strongly recommend that no matter how dark it appears, uh, try to be optimistic because uh, the successes and opportunities are out there and uh, it's for us to see them. Are you ready? Let's go! Yeah, um, that's <laughs> something pretty interesting to analyze. Uh, if you go back 10 years ago, 2010, I think we couldn't imagine a social media manager, right? <laughs> That's yeah, what was that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Uber drivers, these are things yeah. that caught up in the middle of the, uh, of the headache role that we live in, the innovative role that we live in. So that's interesting. Nice. I always advocate for that. Um, anyway, and regardless of the profession, the person uh, is going to follow, the career is going to pivot or she's going to pivot, whatever. Um, 
I understand that English is a key player, right? Because uh, as as well as you could be in Russia, in uh, Botswana, and a lot of different countries, uh, we could you could see that no matter the country where you have like the English language skill, you can suit yourself. You can ask for food. You can ask for water. You can survive. You can ask for a job. I went to Hong Kong. I went to uh, Saudi Arabia and. Uh, Europe, Latin America, United States, and for me that was beautiful because even though like I could speak French in France and I spoke just to, to really use the language, uh, if I wanted I could keep in English and then everybody would understand. And then career talking, career widely talking, professionally, academically, um, how do you think that English uh, is gonna keep on being the key player of people or is gonna change? How do you think about this? Well, look, if you look at history, there's always been uh, a lingua franca of one kind or another, and it used to be French for many years, the language of diplomacy and culture. English has supplanted uh, French for many years now. French is still a beautiful language, as is Spanish and Portuguese, but uh, if, if you are in Brazil and you're interested in culture and economics and you want to grow as a person, I would strongly suggest that English learning is the most effective thing you can do. It opens up tremendous opportunities for people uh, because as beautiful as many other languages are uh, sometimes it's hard to find people who speak them in, in other places and uh, the United States is a powerful economy we're tied to a lot of other powerful economies uh, and for people who want to have maximum opportunities it's very wise to to learn English uh, you may know that I'm sure you do we have an access English program that allows hundreds of very talented academically talented but underprivileged children to learn English Uh, and that's opened numerous doors for those kids. They've gone on to bigger and better things. Some of them are quite prominent individuals now in this country. And, you know, it, it opened a door for them that would otherwise have been closed. And so what it, English learning does, I think, is give talented people the opportunities to, to develop their talents. And that doesn't mean that someone who doesn't speak English is not talented. There are plenty of people who are and who are quite happy to live and work in a relatively small environment. But if in fact you want to grow and learn and become uh, international or global as a presence, uh, I would strongly suggest that you, you learn English. One of the things we're trying to do here in Rio is to help uh, teachers of English. And so we have an English language fellow teaching uh, Rio English language teachers. So essentially it's called train the trainer as a concept. And so we train people who are themselves educators and they can in turn train others and help to teach uh, more people the language. So, uh, you know, if you have the opportunity, uh, please take it because I, I genuinely believe it will open enormous opportunities for you and doors that you may not have even imagined being possible. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Frankly, language learning is not easy. In my job, I've learned Spanish, uh, I've learned uh, Portuguese and I've learned Russian. <laughs> Uh, that was not so easy, frankly. I took nine months of full-time study and uh, spent two years in Siberia uh, speaking Russian. Uh, and that was quite something. Um, but it's hard sometimes, especially as an adult, because you're scared of making mistakes and you tend to want to, uh, you know, not say anything or not challenge yourself. And children uh, have a much easier opportunity because they're not so concerned with their image or with being made fun of or 
otherwise making mistakes because they absorb things a lot faster than we do and they're less socially conscious when it comes to language so learning as a younger person is far preferable than as an adult and it's, it's a tremendous uh, exciting opportunity for people congrats uh, especially about the russian thing i'm very impressed <laughs> and how difficult like russian is and uh, even though uh, uh, by the by by the time i was 17 i could learn four languages and um, but three of them were latin languages so latin languages for yeah. us who are portuguese speakers they're pretty easy uh, but russian gosh well, i'll tell you one of the interesting things about learning those three languages is that the the language teachers are very uh, they, they they almost reflect the cultures they come from so the spanish and portuguese teachers very warm friendly encouraging you know they had a happy hour they would go dancing uh, just really nice they would maybe say hey kids uh, students let's go and we'll take uh, we'll go to lunch today and we'll just talk in spanish or we'll speak in portuguese or we'll have a drink and have a glass of wine and we'll speak the Russian teachers, nah, not at all. Very different, very strict, very difficult. Um, you know, they didn't give us much slack at all. They were always on our backs. And it, it, it really struck me that the, the culture and the teachers seem to seem to reflect each other. Interesting. Uh, that's very interesting to, to hear, Paul. Anyway, we talk about education, right? Um, about English. English is part of education. And I know that the United States, uh, especially the, the United States mission here in Brazil, you guys are pretty worried uh, about uh, empowering the Brazilians uh, to go study abroad, I don't know, try a scholarship in American universities, have the Education USA program, uh, uh, especially about education they were talking about. If you could talk a little bit about this, just so that our audience can um, know better, look for information, and really enjoy the program. Of course, Tiago, uh, Education USA is a fantastic organization, and it, and it helps to uh, educate people on what's possible in the United States from, from thinking about what type of subject you'd like to study, where you might choose to study it, uh, what the examination requirements are, where you take the tests, what the strategies are that might be effective in uh, achieving success, how to get financial assistance. From A to Z, it's a superb organization and Education USA, uh, I think, is our leading advocate for quality education in the United States. About 16,000 Brazilians are currently studying in the United States, uh, undergraduate and, and, and graduate students. And uh, quite often, financial aid is available for, for students in both categories. Uh, you know, getting into an American university is not as hard as, as some people think. What is hard, of course, is actually studying when you get there. Uh, because uh, there are a lot of temptations for people uh, and uh, being disciplined and organized is, is a quality of the mind uh, that is almost guaranteed to help you become successful. And those who are seeking to study in the United States and who have the discipline to think through their options and apply in a rigorous manner are very likely to be successful. And, uh, and we have... Uh, plenty of experts at Education USA who can uh, who can help people figure out that process but it's not easy, not difficult to do uh, we have Education USA fairs across the country uh, where uh, we have large numbers of representatives from American universities coming down to talk to uh, protect pr prospective students here uh, in Rio and around the country 
uh, including specialized entities like law schools who come to seek uh, students as well, especially graduate students. So uh, there's a whole network of uh, folks who are willing to help uh, Brazilians think through their options in this regard. And again, I would very strongly encourage people to, to seek out Education USA online and, and give them a call. Nice. Um, uh, there is another program that I like a lot that you guys have here in Brazil, and uh, I've been attending a couple of them online. Uh, is the Select USA program, right? Um, I've been enjoying a lot. Uh, like uh, you have all the resources, you have tools. They empower you to take decisions if you want to take a business abroad. Um, you have conference about tech, about retail, about Florida, about California, about uh, there was another one. Uh, about Delaware, I don't remember. There was another state a couple of a couple of weeks ago, and uh, this program is awesome. You know, I've been enjoying. And online is awesome. It didn't change the quality because we attended the, the year before uh, the presential one in Rio de Janeiro in Barra da Tijuca, yes. And now we're attending uh, the online one. And congratulations on this program because it is awesome. Okay. We know, Tiago, you're. A, I don't know if I presume your listeners know, but you're a very accomplished entrepreneur yourself, and I. I think your attraction to that program is quite obvious and you're a perfect candidate for it. Uh, you know, when you were in the wildlife program, uh, you, uh, I believe, met with a mentor in California who, with whom you're still in touch. Uh, and you're recently elected to the advisory board of wildlife for Latin America. So congratulations on that. That shows, again, your leadership uh, skills. Well done. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> I didn't expect to have this, <laughs> but thank you very much. Uh, yeah, like uh, uh, every start that you have is pretty challenging, difficult, hard, especially here in Brazil, uh, the entrepreneurial environment is very hostile. And uh, if you want to generate jobs and decrease poverty through entrepreneurship, you need to have a call. <laughs> yeah. Taxation, red tape, government, uh, few people help you out. And uh, especially like your friends, they won't give a tap on the back and say, hey, congratulations, you start a company. No. <laughs> you say, why don't you find why don't you find yourself a job? You know, that would be way easier. You don't need to run so many crazy risks, you know. Uh, and by 2016, really, my life changed. Um, I believe that while I was a turning around point in my life, uh, mm -hmm. reflection point, it really opened my horizons and I'm very extremely thankful for this, for the American government. I'm here today because that existed, you know? If you, if you speak about CV jobs, talk about CV jobs, connecting the dots, Stanford speech. Again, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. Geez, I can see that pretty clear in my life. And uh, I'm very grateful for this. Nick from Connect English uh, in California. Uh, to today we talk. By the way, we're gonna we're gonna launch a, a congress, online congress uh, called the Anglosphere Summit. Uh, okay. That's gonna be very interesting. We we invited ex uh, former students of ours. We invited students that are studying abroad that were our students. Then uh, we invite also Nick. So. Uh, yeah. on, on Monday, October 26th, if I'm not wrong, um, it's going to be the American Day. 
gonna start by the United States. And then he's gonna be with me. Uh, and then also his Brazilian director uh, from 6.30 until 9.30 p.m. It's gonna be awesome. We're gonna talk about opportunities to study abroad, visas yeah. and whatever. And yeah. uh, last month I got this news that I'm uh, part of the Wildlife Advisor Board. I'm very extremely thankful. Uh, I'm gonna be representing Brazil. I know it's such a, a huge task to to tackle yeah, this kind of uh, challenge. But uh, I'm ready to go. I'm gonna do my, the best of myself to really develop people, develop uh, the, this America's economy. Uh, I'm very happy and I'm very excited to start this. So thank you very much for these words. They encourage me even more. Well, what it shows, I think, Tiago, is the importance of networking. Oh, yeah. uh, and I know that from for a lot of people who grow up in communities where maybe they are the first person to go to college or their parents maybe haven't studied or they don't have friends who are very interested in education, it's very difficult to establish a network. You, you feel alone, you feel uh, abandoned in some ways, you don't have anyone to reach out to. And what Wiley, among many other things, does is create a network of very talented, energetic, smart young people who have the potential to change the country and change the world even. So, uh, you know, being in touch with those people and keeping in touch with them, following them, uh, making sure that you're aware of what they're up to is all part of networking. And uh, I think one of the things that you do and you can continue to do as a leader is to help your students at Insight understand the value of networking and why it's important. Uh, it's not designed to promote favoritism or to make people's lives easier. It's designed to put people in touch with each other who may have things to offer each other. And, and I think you do that very well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I come from Akaya, right? It's a city, the country of Rio. And uh, I, I don't come from a wealthy family. You know, my, my, mm -hmm. li my, my life, like my, my father is a retired fireman. Firemen mm -hmm. here in Brazil, they don't earn a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my mom, she's a retired uh, salesperson. She used to work at a store. Uh -huh. None of them studied at college or university. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm the first one in the family to, to accomplish this, to be a polyglot, to visit almost all the continents except for Africa. So, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm very grateful. The point is, the opportunities they show up to your face, but what do you do with them? You turn the blind eye or do you tackle them down? Right. That's something, right? That I always, uh, people sometimes they are embarrassed. No, you know what? People are going to think of me, you know? Uh, I don't speak so well. My Portuguese is horrible. No, come on, like, uh, right. give value to yourself. Uh, that's something that I always recommend. Well, you know, if, I think if you don't do it, someone else will. And okay. and what, what, why, why should they and not you? Uh, and I've always felt that when someone says, oh, you must be lucky to be in this position or that position, you know, I, I, my thought is always, look, uh, in a way, perhaps, but I also know that luck doesn't really exist. Uh, what does exist is opportunity and uh, preparation. And, and when the doors open, if you're ready to walk through, then you walk through. Um, what I have noticed over the years is that often men feel that they're more qualified and ready to move forward than women do. Women tend to want to wait until they have every single qualification possible before they decide to apply for a particular position. And that's a mistake uh, because men will think, okay, I've got three of the six qualifications required. I'm going to put my name forward anyway. 
and, and one of them will probably be selected. Whereas a woman who may be equally or better qualified might well say, well, I've got three, but I'm going to wait until I have at least five. Uh, and I think it's a mistake. People should put their name forward, make the best case they can and see what happens. Rather, better than perfect. I always have this. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, anyway, how long have you been here in Brazil? I've been here now two years, a little more than two years. Um, I came out of a uh, very challenging uh, period uh, in Cuba and uh, I was very happy to, to come to Rio. Awesome. So two years in Brazil. Probably you're in touch with uh, Pão de Queijo, Feijoada, Bobo de Camarão, all this, geez, like, my opinion, the Brazilian cuisine is the best of the world. Sorry about that, but <laughs> I think we nailed it. This we nailed it. <laughs> um, and I know, like, since you are a world citizen, let's say, um, you've tried different cultures. Uh, how, how has it been to adapt yourself to the Brazilian culture? I would think it's probably the easiest introduction I've ever had to any culture because it's a very warm culture. It's a very welcoming culture. It's a culture that values friendship and contact and uh, personal interaction. Uh, and so unlike uh, other cultures which can be colder or more distant, uh, it's very easy to become friends with, with especially Cariocas who, who have a, a love of life, really. They're just really cool people. And, uh, you know, I grew up, my father was in the military in the U.S. Air Force, and he was stationed around the world. But we spent a lot of time growing up in the U.K. And uh, I grew up playing soccer as a kid, and I played it until I went to college, really. And so I'm a huge soccer fan. I follow, in particular, Manchester United in England, a team called Hibernian in, the, in Scotland, and then D.C. United in the United States. And I, I came here, and one of the first things I did was go to the Maracana to watch Flamengo. You are from and, Mengista. Uh, That's great. Uh, I'm not going to comment on which team I actually uh, <laughs> support, but uh, there are four of them here in Rio, so I need to be a little careful. Okay, uh, no problem. But, uh, I understand that. I, I do go and I follow closely the Flamengo results. Let me see. My son, who's 13, is a Flamenguista in Coração. And uh, we go to the Maracanã from time to time. Uh, last year was an amazing year for Flamengo. Of course, uh, they won almost everything that they were competing for. Um, but again, being part of that community has been helpful to me too. It's easy to talk to anybody about football. And uh, even when the other folks are fans of different teams uh, here in Rio, it, it doesn't really matter. It's funny, it's engaging, it's not threatening. Um, I grew up at a time in the 1980s when uh, soccer hooliganism was quite prominent in the UK and people were being harmed when they go to games. I've been to games in Argentina, uh, in Buenos Aires, where it has been quite dangerous sometimes to be in the stadium. Uh, and I haven't seen that. I know it happens here too sometimes, but I haven't seen it as much. It's a cultural phenomenon. I love football. I, I follow uh, I follow every week. Uh, I watch three or four games a week. So it's been quite easy to adapt, frankly, to, to Brazilian culture. <laughs> no big deal. That's awesome. Um, yeah, because I believe that's pretty different from the U.S., right? Uh, for example, you said something about, uh, in the beginning of the, the recording, the relationships between Brazil and the United States and politics. Uh, that's interesting because when I went there in 2016, it was Obama, and now I went for Trump, the service was the same. People treat me 
gently, nothing changed. I think this is part of your culture. And uh, I don't know, sometimes you can miss that if you're homesick. For, for you, that's not a big deal, right? Well, you know, those of us who join the diplomatic service are accepting the reality that we're going to spend a good part of our lives outside the United States. So we know that when we start. Um, so we, we're ready for it. But it's clear that we also always miss our family and friends. It's inevitable. Um, we go home from time to time and we reconnect. But And technology, again, helps to maintain those relationships. But for sure, we miss our family and friends. And for me, uh, it was especially difficult recently because about a month ago, my father passed away uh, unexpectedly. And he uh, was living in Arizona uh, because of the difficulty that Arizona had at the time with COVID and because of the issues here that would require me to quarantine, we were not able to go back for the funeral service And, and that's a difficulty. That's really challenging. Um, it would have been the same, frankly, had I been living in Washington because the, the funeral service was limited to very few people and I would not have been able to go anyway. So, uh, but again, it's hard to be far away when life-changing events take place, whether it's the birth of a child, the death of a family member, or the graduation of someone. It, it, it's always harder, for sure. In Brazil, you have the word uh, saudades, which which really beautifully combines longing and nostalgia and, and missing it's a way, in a way that we don't really have in English. To miss something or someone is a, is a fairly uh, cold statement. Maybe not cold, but it's a, it's a fairly matter-of-fact way of talking about something, whereas saudade is, is a, it's a, it's a more uh, holistic and meaningful concept, I think, for, for Brazil. And I miss a lot of things, but I'm very happy here. This is my home. Awesome. I feel so glad to hear that. That's so beautiful. Um, anyway, so that there's no translation in, in any language. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, when you think of the United States, when one think of the United States, we also think about, we always think about New York, Orlando, or LA, California. Mm -hmm. uh, would you recommend like any other spot or want to travel to know that would be very interesting? I would. Uh, you know, I grew up, well, I spent a lot of time in both Boston and Chicago. And uh, I studied at, at Harvard and, and Cambridge, which is very close to Boston. And uh, Boston has a uh, tremendous reputation as one of the educational centers of the United States. There are multiple universities, all of them world class. Uh, and it also has tremendous restaurants and fabulous sports uh, uh, activities. Uh, Boston is one of those cities that has Uh, a professional baseball team in the Red Sox, uh, uh, a hockey team in the Boston Bruins, a basketball team in the Boston Celtics, the and finals. not far from the yeah, that's right, and not far from the city itself, the New England Patriots uh, play as well. So, if you're a sports fan or you care about education, uh, Boston is one of the greatest cities in the country. Uh, I also worked in Chicago for several years uh, when I started uh, practicing law, and Chicago is the same. It has. Uh, In football, it has the Chicago Bears. Uh, in baseball, it has two teams, uh, the White Sox and the Cubs. Uh, in uh, basketball, it has the Chicago Bulls, that were famous Jordan. during Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, amazing history. And of course, in uh, hockey, they have the Chicago Blackhawks. So uh, those two cities, both in education and in uh, sports, are fabulous. Uh, in 2012, when I left uh, Botswana, I flew to visit my father, who was living at the time in San Diego. 
and uh, after spending a few weeks, oh, beautiful place, absolutely stunning. One of the nicest, most beautiful cities in the United States. But once we spent some time with him, we then drove uh, across the country back to Washington. And we stopped in Las Vegas uh, for a few days, which is also quite a cool place to, to spend a few days. We then drove to Colorado Springs, uh, absolutely stunning uh, city nesting in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. We drove to Iowa, the heart of America in many ways, uh, and then down to Chicago for a few days, and then across uh, Indiana to uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and into Washington. And that took us a few weeks, but it was an incredibly wonderful trip to make, to drive across the entire country. Um, we drove straight through uh, Nebraska without stopping, I think, so I can't say much about that, but it looked very nice from what I could see. Um, and I would also say that if you're interested in music, for example, we have tremendous cities like New Orleans or Memphis or Nashville that are fabulous places to visit. And of course, we have national parks, uh, Yosemite uh, especially, which are just spectacular. Yellowstone. And, and Yellowstone, it's worth spending time in those places. They're just spectacular. Um, so we're approaching to the end right now. I would like to thank you very much for this time uh, to us. Uh, a lot of uh, we earned a lot of knowledge. I'm quite sure our audience is gonna do redo their trip scheduling because they're gonna <laughs> put some I O Idaho Idaho is pretty good as well uh, for natural beauty and uh, I don't know, for for Vegas. Vegas is fantastic. We're in the middle of the desert. So um, yeah. anyway, and I'd like to thank you very much. I'd like to thank you, thank the American Consulate of Rio de Janeiro for allowing us to have this opportunity of growth and I wish you success I wish you the best count on me and thank you very much oh, thank you Tiago you did a wonderful job keep it up and uh, we look forward to seeing your continued success as you move forward thank you again all right see you bye bye take care